heat waves, droughts, water issues everywhere. And hey, if you own real estate or you like to eat, you care a lot about water issues, but hey, wait a minute, how are we going to manage this? You might be surprised to find out that Bitcoin has a lot to do with how we're going to manage water in the future. That's right. The blockchain, which Bitcoin is built on top of, is going to help. To help us understand this, we're going to talk with Fraser McLeod, works for a company that is at the leading edge of figuring out how to use blockchain to help us manage our water resources better. Very important topic, particularly as we look forward through the next few years. Let's go there now. Nice to meet you, Chris. I'm very pleased to be with you. Well, thanks. Likewise. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. Um, I guess let's start here. Uh, you know, I, I've been tracking Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies and the blockchain technology for a long time. And one of the things I've been waiting for is that disruptive uh, killer app that comes in and just takes over by storm. Uh, where are we in, in that cycle of uh, blockchain living up to that promise? I think, to be honest, while there are many, many people who share the aspiration for blockchain to be a transformative and disruptive technology across many, many aspects of our daily lives, I think it's also fair to say we're all still sitting waiting for the killer app. Um, there has been a huge um, explosion of uh, activity in blockchain ranging from digital identity, uh, decentralized finance, right through to what's called reg tech, which is where the blockchain actually um, handles the reg uh, government regulations, right through to health records. So there are many, many people are looking at blockchain as being a solution, but I think it's fair to say that we haven't quite seen the killer app. Right now, my view would be is that most of the focus around blockchain is probably around cryptocurrencies, whereas there's a lot less um, visibility of all of the activity, which is, which is really looking at blockchain as a technology which is separate from cryptocurrency. So if you like using the blockchain as a fundamental way of rethinking um, a whole range of activities where we create immutable records that stand outside of the control of the vested interest in the current processes, business processes that we operate. Yeah, so thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> one area I got really excited by because here in the United States, every so often I, I buy a house. And one of the more vexing parts of this process is you have to pay all this money to a what's called a title examiner. And this person goes back into the dusty records, some of them literally dusty records, to make sure that the title you're about to buy on this house is still clear and doesn't have something encumbered from a long time ago. And of course, the person who sold it to you went through the same process and before that and before that. And so I heard about this company putting that on Ethereum, putting the title record search on Ethereum. They did it in Vermont. They had one transaction that went through that was years ago, two or three years ago now. And I was like, if there was ever an industry that was ready for disruption, there it is, right? Because that, that seems like a perfect application, right? We just want to know that what we said about this title last year is the same this year as last year. Seems perfect. It does. I mean, and, and in, in many respects, it is one of those perfect kind of applications where you can create on the blockchain, the digital twin of the actual physical property. It exists. And every time there is a transaction on it, it's automatically updated in terms of ownership buying, selling, encumbrances, they're all recorded there in an immutable fashion. Therefore, it removes the, the many, many of the problems of the processing of real estate at the moment. It just can make the process peer-to-peer, -peer, 
with full trust and understanding that what you buy is exactly what is stated on the blockchain. Hello, everyone. I'm back in my informal way here just to talk with you about Hey, Peak Prosperity and what we do there. I'm your information scout. I'm literally seven days a week working to figure out what's going on in the world. And I work to tell people about that. That's my role in the world. And we have this very exciting website, peakprosperity.com. You can see it right there at the top. That's what the bar looks like. Find it at peakprosperity.com. You can join up as a membership slash membership there or follow me on Twitter or increasingly dcsovereign.media. That dot media is like saying dot com. And increasingly I'm going there because censorship is a very big issue. And Ben Swan, who runs Sovereign Media, he is all about capital L libertarian free speech. As well, we also load our content up on Odyssey, also on Rumble. So if you ever feel like you're missing me and I'm not here on YouTube, it might be because I've been taken down. It happens. And speaking of which, um, that happened recently. We got uh, struck again recently because we talked about that topic down there. If you can read that, I won't even read it out because we, we seem to trip up the censors around all this stuff. But increasingly, we're running afoul of the censors in what we do, which is why if you ever want to be absolutely sure to know what I'm talking about, and if you want to find out what our tribe is up to, because this is the most important part about the next 10 to 20 years is who's your tribe? How are you going to become resilient? How are you going to manage your house, your wealth, your physical financial wealth, your emotional health, and your also physical health, and as well your community? All those things we're talking about building up those different forms of capital over there at Peak Prosperity, the Peak Insider, that middle one, that is our most popular membership. And the reason, again, is because, well, that happens to us more than we would like to admit uh, to ourselves, but it happens. And by the way, uh, the members only edition that we will be talking about right at the conclusion of this episode here is this, these water wars that are going on. All right. Thank you so much for listening back to the program. And, and the ability then to, I, I, I think we could extend that to all sorts of different sorts of transactions that exist out there. Uh, and, you know, my work in the world is looking at the ways in which we're using up our natural resources, and many of them are non-renewable natural resources. Some are renewable to, to within limits, right? So water is renewable in theory, but not if you are in the Ogallala Aquifer, uh, which takes 10,000 years to recharge and you're drawing it out at 6% a year in certain regions in the U.S. It, it's effectively non-renewable. So, so to, to think about how we could begin to use blockchain to begin to um, address some of those issues, what's on the table today? There's a number of different things that are on the table. I mean, water, as you've, as you've said, is, is a really another classic area where blockchain could make a big difference. But water is a very, very complex business. It's complex scientifically, administratively, technically, and most of all, politically. When you talk about water and sharing water between different users, you're effectively talking about political choices that are being made as to what kind of uses we are going to make. The question of how much water is available is not just a question of scientific evidence. So that process in and of itself is one of the reasons why blockchain could be a big part of the solution. But it's also one of the reasons why blockchain is only slowly emerging as one of those solutions, because we actually have a system for water management that believes it is well serviced by existing institutions, by existing processes, by existing IT systems and data collection. And there are many people there for question, why do we need to change that? 
what you're actually beginning to see is a big debate in many parts of the world, particularly parts of the world which are suffering from water crises around what I would call a trust gap. People are, are actually questioning whether they can trust the systems, the data, the processes that are in place. And it is easy to dismiss those kind of voices as maybe people who are disenchanted with the system, but it actually points to something fairly fundamental. Wherever you go in the world today, it is very, very difficult to get um, a clear, absolute accountability between the water we have available, the water we use, and the water we share or trade. What you actually have is huge problems of being able to know those three simple bits of information. And that's where the blockchain can help. If you are able to actually put on the blockchain to say, this is how much water we have, and these are the parties or the uses to which we use, we, we put it, these are then the people who hold rights to use that water. And they can, as we were just describing in the real estate example, they can begin the process of um, trading or exchanging that water with their neighbors, with um, municipalities, with whomever they wish to. The problem right now is that when you get into that debate, as I said, people believe, say, well, I know what I know, therefore my data is absolute, it's perfect. Why would I trust what someone else collects? And while the blockchain can certainly help, the big challenge I believe at the moment is actually overcoming the massive inertia in the system of water management we currently have. Now, so so if I understand this correctly, there's um, the ability to sort of combine things that have been a little bit disparate at this point in time. So how much water you have is over here in this system and who owns it is over here in this system and what the politics are, which changes all the time, right? A rule change happens and has, I imagine, takes a while for that to no pun, but ripple through the whole system, right? So, so is is that what we're talking about here? Is is basically uh, a more um, integrated contracting system that actually gives visibility, or have I got that wrong? No, look, I, I think in actual fact that that is exactly what would be at the heart of this kind of approach, where when you think of how much water we have at the moment, the volume of water we have is probably defined by multiple different government agencies some of them at local, state, federal level. You know, groundwater is, not, is often not managed by the same agency who manages surface water, mm. those kind of issues. So when you think about it saying, well, okay, we accept that those organizations have a role and a responsibility, but instead of putting that data purely onto their own systems, actually putting it onto the blockchain, which then everyone can see that is how much water there is. It is beyond dispute because it's immutable. You can't go back and fiddle with the number or change the number. So by doing it, by actually saying, understanding the responsibility that those organizations have and using the blockchain as the mechanism that they can all interact through declaring how much water there is, declaring when a restriction comes into being, declaring that there is a rule change which affects certain users that can flow through automatically by the application of smart contracts. So that at any instant in time, a water user knows whether their water right is impacted by a change in the amount of water available or a water restriction notice that is being put in place. And the blockchain manages 
all of that to ensure that it's not any double spending and no double dipping. And that's where I think the blockchain can really, really help Water by recognizing that Water is something that is shared by everyone, but is technically not really the responsibility of any single person or, or organization. It's this kind of strange thing that sits out there that everyone uses, everyone shares, but there is no single entity who is actually responsible for it. Hmm. Hmm. Very well said. So devil's advocate, I can easily envision certain um, parties in that story not wanting that level of transparency. Is that an issue here? Yeah, transparency is a huge part of this picture because right now, every nobody really has got a point of truth. And to give you an example, um, in the last few years in Australia, there's been a very, very big debate around water. And they actually had, uh, they've had a series of significant um, investigations and researches. Now, the water market in Australia is considered the most mature in the world. The latest report by the Australian Con um, Consumer Competition Commission is said, yes, it is the most mature in the world, but it is in fundamental need of reform because it is not trusted. It is perceived to be open to manipulation and speculation. There is no transparency and there is effectively no single point of truth that people can believe in because everyone has got their own set of numbers that they perceive to be better than everyone else's. And that kind of situation is a story I hear when I talk to people in pretty much any part of the world today. It's this kind of sense that we don't really know what is going on. We have a piece of the jigsaw puzzle, but what we really want to be able to do is to see the whole of the jigsaw puzzle and know that everyone is actually working on the same jigsaw. And I can imagine that's especially important because water, of course, transcends boundaries uh, all the time. It's just how it is. So if uh, we've seen these and we can expect, obviously, these issues are going to really crop up as we go forward because with increased population, um, change rainfall patterns, uh, ice caps melting uh, and, and maybe uh, berefting some areas of their water that they're used to, these we could imagine these issues are going to be more in need of if, even if trust is maybe a strong word, verification or verifiable um, insights into this, certainly cross-border, I would imagine that's true. Certainly, as, we've, as we move forward, I mean, from where I sit at the moment, we are seeing um, in earlier this year, we saw um, water futures being traded on the NASDAQ. We are now starting to see, if you do a quick Google search today, you will find quite a number of um, water coins or water tokens or cryptocurrencies being created around water. And we are actually, in, in a sense, because we're at this kind of interesting mix between the old world and the new world, there is a danger that the explosion is going to take us over, is, is going to overtake the way the system works. And therefore, I think that trust is a critical question, transparency, but actually being able to verify so that when you do something, you know, when you go to buy um, some water, if that's what you want to do, whether it be dry water or wet water, as they call it, that you actually are able to verify the credentials and the fidelity of the transaction you're entering into. And right now, what you're at, the way the system works today, it's not the, it's not the own, the buyer who actually is, does that. Basically, say, I want to buy water. 
it then gets passed off to a central regulator who is responsible for undertaking that verification. And it's like a black box. We don't actually know what process they go through. We don't know how good their data is in the first place. We don't know anything about that verification process. So when you think of blockchain as a technology for decentralization, it actually creates the opportunity to actually place responsibility onto the buyer and the seller to actually engage in a contractual relationship where they have responsibility for verification and understanding the fidelity of the transaction they're entering into, and then providing the necessary and relevant information to the approving authority who can then fairly quickly say, yes, I accept that this trade is, is agreeable under the policy terms that currently operate or the policy rules that currently operate. And as I think there's this big shift taking place as people begin to see what is going on. And it's why there's so much activity in the blockchain space around let's fundamentally transform it with a new cryptocurrency. Because if we do that, we can drive the decentralization further. We can actually increase value. But then people see that's just about manipulation and speculation. So we keep going round the same set of fundamental issues. And blockchain plays into it as both a potential solution, but also as one of the reasons why there's such risk aversion nature in the water at the moment, because they perceive that blockchain is just going to open up more of the things that we don't want to see in water management. So it's a really interesting set of dynamics, but they do come down to trust, transparency, and the ability to verify. Fundamentally, that's what blockchain was built to do. The challenge is actually getting people to overcome their reticence, their risk averse nature, their idea that blockchain is, a, is really just a, a technology for speculation and so on, and actually get them to embrace that. And it's a slow journey. We've been working on it for five years now, and we're only now coming to the point where we're able to persuade some people to roll it out in a practical day-to-day -day sense as an actual technology that people will use albeit in a local situation, they will be able to use the blockchain as their basis for managing their water rights and buying and selling water allocations or, or temporary water uh, arrangements on a spot market. So Fraser, I, I love what I'm hearing because um, I have some biases. The, the first is that we tend to do things the way we've done them before in order to solve things. So I, I'm hearing about this say in climate change, there was a big agreement that came out and they're like, well, we'll just start doing carbon trading, right? Here's my bias. My bias is as soon as you say trading, you get Wall Street involved, you get speculators involved, you get private equity, you get hedge funds, you get big money. And these people are very smart. They're very talented, but they're disintermediated from the thing. They care about making money. What you've just described is, hey, we actually want the buyer and the seller together first. And then the regulatory bodies there to sort of just check it and make sure it's within the operative framework and, and that this is a good thing. But as soon as we have speculators in there, because you'd mentioned three things are important to have in there, right? Trust, verification, but we didn't, you didn't say speculating, right? I, my bias is when the speculators find an avenue into these markets, my bias is I think they mess them up, right? Because supply and demand and price all seem to go out the window all of a sudden. Uh, is, is that one of the areas that you're trying to, to address here is to just get the resource and the decisions around it maybe more in line with fewer <laughs> fewer moving parts as it were 
Absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's interesting that when you actually, if we have a, the system we have at the moment is very heavily centralized, heavily regulated. Therefore, in a sense, there is little for a water user to do other than say, look to the government for the answer to everything. But blockchain in this context has got the opportunity to fundamentally reshape the way people think about this. So an individual individual water users can actually document and ledger the events that about their water management. So say, here is my right, here is how much water I have used, here is what I have been doing with it, here is what I have bought, here is what I have sold. And in a sense, it comes down to this, if that responsibility is held personally, the more they ledger, the more they can be trusted as a responsible water manager. What they can then do is they can then engage and agree to come together with their neighbours, their community, and decide that at a very local scale that they are going to buy and sell or trade or share the water that they have using the blockchain. So taking the blockchain to ledger their activity to the next level where they can use it as a mechanism to exchange water. And in many situations, that may not even require any formal regulatory approval. At the end of the day, regulatory approval is often required when you're moving water long distances, you know, between different catchments, moving it from substituting surface water for groundwater and so on. So if you're actually looking at this as a technology, it could fundamentally reshape the way we think about water management, such that it is more bottom up rather than more than top down. So blockchain is disrupting the business models, but it's also hu potentially hugely transformative in this kind of context, such that we actually are changing where the power lies in water management. And it's also understandable why the powers that be at the moment have no desire to see this change because they perceive that the system at the moment work, they're able to control how water is used. But as we see in many parts of the world, as water gets scarcer, conflict and tension grows, demands or questioning about the way the system works, whether the data is correct. Um, obviously in the United States context, um, it obviously ends, can often end up in um, court processes, you know, in legal cases. All of these kind of things are becoming much more evident, uh, which suggests that we're at a point where we either entrench back into the system we have and make it better, which is what we're what many people are currently doing, or we grasp the opportunity and offer an alternative pathway, which is what we're trying to do with blockchain technology. But it certainly is a, a challenging conversation and it's it's often slow. But there are, it's amazing when you see talking to people when the light just suddenly switches on and they realize wow, this could fundamentally change everything. When can we get it? Hmm. No, I love that idea. And, and your company is Civic Ledger and has been working on this. How long has the company been around and uh, who, who works there? We've actually been around for five years. Um, we're based um, in Brisbane in Australia. So we have a number of staff there in Australia. We've also got, I work in, in France. We're also working with partners in the United States, and we have some technical development staff who are based in um, Thailand. So we've actually a fairly international group working on all of this. And Water was one of the, Civic Ledger was set up to 
really look at how blockchain could change the nature of the dynamic between citizens and government. So we've done a whole range of different things, not just water. We, for example, have applied blockchain to the definition, to, to defining intellectual property rights and, our, and allowing those to be traded. We've done some work on showing how blockchain could actually make the whole real estate development approvals process much more streamlined and accountable and verifiable. We've even done things like using blockchain to allow um, motorists or, or homeowners to actually share parking places in real time in a city. So using the blockchain as a verifiable statement of who's got right to park in a particular location at a point in time. Water happens to be more dominant at the moment. Um, and largely in Australian terms, water is one of the most significant national issues and therefore it's, it's, um, it's been very um, fertile ground, shall we say, to have this conversation because our activity has coincided with this public debate around whether the water system is working as we would like it to be. So we're, we're a company who are in broadly in the area of what would be called reg tech um, in the sense of managing, handling, using blockchain to improve the way regu government regulation impacts on citizens. But water is now probably one of the most dominant things. And we've been, as I said, we're working at the moment with companies right through um, Asia, right throughout into the Western United States. A lot of it is very early stage work at the moment, but the more we talk, the more people are interested um, and saying, yes, how do we do this? And how do we actually use this to break down the barriers to make water management better for everyone and make sure that we can actually do it sustainably? That is all we have out here in the public domain. We're gonna continue this amazing interview back over at Peak Prosperity as well. I've got some data to talk with people about. If you're interested about this topic right here, water wars, there's a lot going on out there in the world right now. It's just, you know, when they say it rains, it pours, and when it droughts, it, it sands. I don't know what the saying is, but it's amazing what's happening all over the world. And increasingly, we're talking about this and other topics back over at my website where I can be positive that I'm not going to be censored. And for everybody who's interested, hey, please come by, consider being a member. Thank you so much to all the members out there who have been supporting me through this. It's been fabulous, necessary, and now, hey, it's time for us to talk about next steps because if you know what's happening with water, with energy, and soon with food, this is going to be coming up on your radar screen, you know that we really have to start taking actions and making new plans and most importantly, making new friends. And that's what all of this is about over here. All right, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.